This episode of Inspiration Point is brought to you by the Quests and Chaos Podcast Network and the generous patrons over on patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we'd like to give a big shout out to Punching Potato, Garlic Bread, Eric, Dragon Workshop, Spike, and Red Dead Coquette. And at our Muse $20 level, we'd like to thank Prostaskias, Leroy, Kate, Jeremy, Jenna, Jacob, Falangor, and Cheryl. Thank you for helping us bring a little inspiration out into the world. And now, on with the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How is your life? Oh, you know, hanging in there. Got a, I just finished working on a really big uh, project, and then I got sick almost immediately afterwards, like the day after I finished the project. So, shrugs forever. So, stress-induced illness, most likely. Probably, or just that whole, you know, having to wake up at 4.45 in the morning in order to commute into the city and uh, be there for the project and being around 45,000 people, literally. True. Cities are gross. Cities are gross, and this and this uh, uh, project was like, this project was weird because it was kind of like Comic-Con on steroids, but somehow nerdier, not geekier, nerdier nerdier so it was smarter it was more on the technical side of things i was working uh dreamforce uh in san francisco okay which is sales salesforce's biggest event of the year and they were talking all about ai and how they're doing stuff and it was some of it was interesting but mostly it was you know eight hours of having to just be on on oh yeah well that sounds very exhausting um you know, I don't have to travel around too much, uh, so that's really nice. And I've cut my commute down dramatically. I have had a great time just not <laughs> being in vehicles. Um, I can remember doing the BART every day, just about back in college. I can remember uh, doing the public transportation in France, which actually was pretty good, all things considering. And then, of course, you know, um, my working life has just been drive, 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 drive. And not yeah. just for the uh, school I work at, but like back when I worked at Electronic Arts and when I lo- worked for a pretty good privacy. And yeah, I had some nerdy jobs and they took a long time to get around. And uh, <laughs> I'm so glad to live the simple life. Like I could almost bike to my workplace now, but I'd have to be in shape. Well, yeah. And that's always that is a thing. Like I could ride my bike, you know, from where I live to the BART station and then from there to the Moscone Center. But I was like, I'd rather walk. I don't I don't trust myself with the hills. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the traffic. Oh, that my would God. definitely be a, a test. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and you never know what random event's going to occur. Like, okay, are you good at biking or are you, like, good at biking? Where it's like, mm-hmm. these are just an extension of my legs and I can do anything. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, that, like, I, when I was a kid, I used to ride my bike a lot. And then I tried biking around the sidewalks in France and, like, I just couldn't do it. Like, it was a completely different beast that I wasn't used to. I'm sure given time I would have got there, but I just... I thought hoofing it and public transportation, that's that's the life for me. Pretty much. And that's what I was doing for uh, Dreamforce was just take the BART and walk. I did not want to deal with the traffic around Moscone Center with driving. Definitely not. That looked insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bay Area driving is already, like, difficult enough as it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it can, is a Are you able to uh, fast travel? Like, can you... Go 30 miles a day with negative five perception checks, or do you just do the 20 normally, or, you know, uh, or do we do 10 <laughs> with plus five perception? I mean, I I've, I have the feats to let me get uh, a lot faster with good perception checks. So, you know, I, I statted out for that carefully. Uh, Urban Ranger. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've had to adapt, yes. So I, I'm excited because we finished our, our long-running campaign like we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what to do now? We'll start another one, obviously. <laughs> I mean, of course. And you, Man, you want to jump right into it, don't you? You know, I was like, I could probably get away with 
not doing something for a week, right? Like I could take one rotation off. Uh, nobody would blame me for that. Nobody, right? But then I was like, so-and-so's been paying for a couple of weeks, just waiting for their chance to play. So, uh, I, you know, I, I want to <laughs> up my honor score, you know? And I... so I decided, let's let's just do it. Let's just, let's just get in. Uh, I have a few ideas floating around in my brain, depending on who I get. Uh, but it looks like I already have six players ready to go. Yes. So I guess the door's closed on that one. So if For now. people want to, to join, you know, I don't commute as much. So I guess I could always start game three. <laughs> like it's possible. Um, uh, I might possible, hate myself. But is that a very but... good, yeah. Is that a very good idea? <laughs> well, Honestly, if I were to add another group right now, starting at about the same time as this one, it would just be two groups, but like the same campaign, essentially. They'd be doing the same maps, even if there was different guys on the maps, you know, <laughs> uh, it would just, you know, I would have to do some adaptation, of course, based on how they make their decisions. But I don't know, it could be an interesting challenge, right? Like, okay, two groups in one setting versus you know, two entirely different campaigns. Like those are, those are different beasts. So I could do it. I mean, please don't persuade yourself into this. I can hear you doing it. <laughs> I just, I love, let's just say the last campaign went really well and you were there and I felt really good at the end. Like I felt like, that kind of high you want to get when you feel like you have really accomplished something mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't want to toot my horn too much, but like, I felt like it went well and I felt very positive about it and, and it increased my confidence. Good. That is, that is very important because I mean, you are a good GM and it's good to have that underlined. Yeah. You know, and, and I think at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, $20 a month. I mean, that's not going to fix my financial woes, but it's really the the applause of it at the end of it that's that's the real payment. That's the thing that I guess I'm looking for. I want to. I do. You know, everybody wants to feel like they're good at their thing, right? You know, yeah. like not everybody can be, uh, you know, a gifted mixer and audio person, right? Um, not to mention being able to produce their own audio content at the same time. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's true, but but, but <laughs> well, but a lot of things come down to practice, right? Because you know, if you if you'd caught me seven seven years ago when I started doing this sort of thing, you wouldn't you would you you might think that I am on a level that you're not at, and that's fair because I did start from a slightly higher level because of the training that I got, but also I wasn't at the level that I am now seven years ago. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully we're all better than what we were doing <laughs> seven years ago. I mean, no matter what it is that we're doing. Yeah, so it's all down to practice and what you spend your time doing. And this is what I've spent a lot of my time doing and getting better and getting faster at. Yeah, sometimes I ask myself, like, what level artist would I be if I hadn't decided to spend so much time getting good at Elden Ring <laughs> or League of Legends? Uh, and then I quickly dismiss those thoughts. <laughs> yeah, because that was something that you do for fun. Like, being an artist is yeah. great, but it's also exhausting. Yeah, it's work. It's work. And and it's true. Like, you don't want to, like, do the thing that you love so much to the point where you hate it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, you know, that is, you know, and unfortunately, we, we at the show know this very well, right? You know, we love you, Andrew. We hope you're very okay. Very much. Yeah. And, you know, I he's he pops in the Discord sometimes, mainly, you know, about Baldur's Gate or other video games. So that's good to know that he has a pulse. Right. <laughs> um, very grateful for that. <laughs> or or, or at least or at least can be reanimated enough to talk about uh, Baldur's Gate 3. That's right. That's right. I think is has reanimated all of us in, in a large way. I have finished two playthroughs now. Good goodness. Um, and. And I'm still married. So <laughs> you can do it all. You can have everything. Congratulations. <laughs> we achieved it. 
Um, you know, achievement you, this, achievement unlocked on that one. Yeah, yeah, for now. For, <laughs> well, you know, you just got to be together long enough that you get tired of each other. That way, time that you want to spend doing other things is is welcomed by both parties. <laughs> you know, that is such a cynical view on relationships. <laughs> I'm literally taking tomorrow off from work so that my wife and I can just go hang out. So. Uh, as Good. long as, you know, you, 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 uh, you know, li- life, I learned a lot about life from playing the Sims, you know, like <laughs> you just have to look at everybody's little like happy bar. And if it's low, you just got to like hang out or something, you know, or and something. Uh, that's really what it takes. Yeah. Or something, you know, we don't, I, I'm, you know, this is a family show. So I, a happy bar as far as I can take it. Fair. <laughs> Well, anyway, we've also, I also had a, a former student come in uh, and help me with D&D Club this last week. And uh, he was just a really great guy. You know, uh, he was part of my first ever group of, of kids at that club, you know, and, and uh, there was a while the, the club kind of died and then it came back, you know, and, but anyway, he was in that OG group. So he was one of the first people to like really learn the game from me as a teacher and then he just kind of like took off with it, right? He yes. just like really got into the hobby on his own. Like he didn't need me anymore, which is what we want, right? We want that. Because some people are like, oh, I'll play it if you're doing something, but otherwise I'm not going to do it. But you want, you want the student to outpace the master. Well, absolutely. You know, I want them to tell me how to optimize my build, right? <laughs> you know, or what cool role-playing event that they did, you know, or, you know, whatever you, you enjoy from it. So anyway, he came in, I was having a bit of trouble because our club got really, really big and we had a shortage of good GMs, right? Mm. Uh, And a a lot of new players. And so, you know, so-and-so had to be friends with so-and-so and and -and so-and-so had to not be in the same room as so-and-so. And, and, you know, we only had so many rooms to take over and, uh, Anyway, he came in and he said, I, I would love to do some volunteer time. And he just started taking a group under his wing and working with them and uh, working with the GM and like helping them improve. Yeah, I love that. I love seeing that. Then he bought pizza for everybody. So that was really cool, too. Oh, my gosh. You did real so, good turning that one. <laughs> I know. I know. I've either I've either been a good influence on his life or he absolutely ruined it. And it's all come to this. But uh, either way, I was <laughs> pleased to see him and so grateful that he was willing to come in and and do those sorts of things. It's, you know, it, it is about those relationships that you form with people and watching them grow. That is uh, really kind of, well, it's a joy of teaching, certainly, but also of um, of this hobby in many ways. You know, it's like building that understanding of this strange secret and fantastic world uh, that only exists in our imagination. And watching that mean something to somebody uh, is really cool. It's really gratifying. It's truly magical to watch that that happen. Like, I have had the honor of having friends of mine who I introduced to the hobby through live streaming and stuff that I was doing, or people who hadn't played since, like, second edition. And it's been such a joy watching them, you know, learning all of the the mechanics and picking it up and running with it on their own. Now, you know, some of them are running their own games or some of them are doing like deep dives into their own character stuff. And it's really gratifying to watch, to be like, you know, I can't take credit for it, but I kind of do at the same time. Yeah, I mean, of course you should, right? It's just that like of all the people that we introduced to the game, most of them, you know, treat it like a game, yeah. right? Of course, and they sort of just move on and if you're involved great and if not then whatever but it is really cool when somebody's just like no i love this too and now i'm gonna make it my version of things that's just great you know we love to see passion on people when when people don't have something to like that they're working on an art form that they're developing i don't think it's good for the soul you know yeah absolutely so anyway Baldur's Gate 3, also wonderful for the soul. <laughs> really good stuff. Uh, I'm I'm still working um, on getting a couple pieces for my computer. But yeah, I have most of it all together. And then I'm going to be able to set things up and 
hopefully by about mid next month, I'll be able to join y'all in the world of Baldur's Gate 3 and never surface again. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean... I, you know, knowing how much you love Dragon Age, it's just so up your alley. Oh, yeah. Between being really into Dragon Age and being into really into Dungeons and Dragons, this is something that feels like it was made specifically with me in mind. <laughs> it kind of was, yeah. <laughs> I think they you must have met them at a bookshop and never thought twice about it, but it really affected them, right? <laughs> you know, you, you wonder sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you do wonder. They're like, you just said something in passing, that changed their whole perspective. And then they made Baldur's Gate 3. It's like that thing that that turns up in, like, uh, biopics and whatnot, where it's like, yes, the great Charles Dickens is, is out is out talking one day, and he sees someone in a top hat and goes, ooh, a top hat. I'm going to make a character who wears a top hat. And thus Ebenezer Scrooge is born. <laughs> yeah, and that's so cool, too, you know. And I say the dumber the better. <laughs> the dumber the reason, the better. Absolutely, like you, you should have to, you should have to have like five <laughs> layers of explanation for things. Where it's like, okay, no, let me go back. No, I need to go back further than that. <laughs> if there was, if there was any kind of afterlife, which I, I don't believe in, but if there was one, I would, I would love for there to be like a video presentation, where, where they would like sit you down and they would say, okay, well, here's why you got into this. And they show you the, the like ten moments or whatever that led up to that. Like, here's why you were obsessed with this. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you found this person attractive, but not this person. Here's the alternate reality where, if you had made those decisions, that's what happened. Yeah, I I'd love to see that kind of video presentation where it's like not just you know how would my life be different if X Y or Z, but you know. Whose lives did I touch? Because I, I I hear that sometimes. That so people will be like, "Hey, you may not remember this, but," and I'm like, "No, I didn't remember that until you said that, and that affected you so profoundly. That's incredible." Yeah, it's funny. I've I've had a couple of instances of that. No, I mean not a whole lot, and and these were like prior to being a teacher, right? Just like being a person. I had one one guy I knew. He quit his job because of something I said. Wow, to him. and. You know, it was just something like he was a guy I played D&D with. And I was just like, oh, well, that doesn't sound very good. And it sounds, you know, like you're miserable. Like you should just quit and you could do so so many things, you know. And I thought, well, he's never going to do that. And then like I didn't see him for like years. And then I happened to see him at a sushi restaurant (laughs) and he was like, hey, man, I remember you. You told me this and I did it. And my life's much better. (laughs) And I was like, oh. I love it. I hope I don't meet the people that are like, hey, you told me this and it ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to you was the biggest L of my life. Well, you know, you, know, uh, you, you got you to gotta take the L's in order to roll with the wins. Love your ones. Love mm-hmm. your ones. Um, yeah. So uh, life is funny that way. Uh, that would be a good movie, right? Probably has been a movie. I, th- I, I think it has been, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's there's five billion different rom-coms that are all built on the same premise. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to the Save the Cat people, there's only like eight, eight different movies that exist. Something like that. Um, and, they, and then they just keep going. Hey, yeah. And different writers have different numbers and stuff. But yeah, Stephen King says there's only like 19 stories in the world, although that might be because uh, the number 19 was very important in the Dark Tower series. So hard to say. <laughs> Maybe that was it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the other guy would be like, well, that's just subsets of this one or whatever. doesn't matter. Either way, we've we've seen a lot of movies and they do tend to like do similar things. I'm about to run another Dungeons and Dragons game that will do a lot of the same things, you know, that I've done, but hopefully be different enough. I'm searching right now for the uh, sort of central question that I want the story to be about. I'm not. I'm not sure yet. I haven't really settled on anything. Sure, that's a very interesting way to come at it too. To come at the the question of the story that you want to run, of what is the central question? I don't think I've ever heard it phrased that way, but I really like that. Maybe it's the teacher stuff, right? Because they they always tell us to like have an essential question for every lesson, and. I usually scoff at that, and then I do exactly that in my D&D games, right? I'm like, whatever. Well, in, in, in fairness, one of the, one of the best uh, pieces of advice that I've heard for building a character is what is the lie that they believe? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah and, um, so same idea, really. Yeah, it's the, the character arc. 
So, you know, from the, the other side of the screen, it's like, well, what is the what's the story about? Because it's like there's what the players are going to do. And then there's what's the story about, you know, it's like, OK, we're mostly going to be like roaming around doing random encounter tables and then traveling from dungeon to town to dungeon to town. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the game element. But like. Why do we care about any of this, right? Like, why would it matter to go from dungeon A to dungeon yeah. B? There has to be something personal there. Otherwise, it's just a list of chores. And, like, we see that in video games, too, where it's, like, so many side quests, especially. Like, I really kind of hate the term side quest because the word quest to me is so loaded. And I think we talked about that before, Wait, right? We, we have had a whole episode about, about yeah. quest. Yeah, and I just, I hate how throwaway these things become, yeah. where it, it becomes more of like a grocery list, you know, or uh, or honeydews. <laughs> have you heard that I term, honeydews? The, the honeydew list. Yeah. Yeah, the honeydew list. Yeah, it, it, it's stuff like that that, uh, that I find so obnoxious. As much as I loved Ghost of Tsushima, because it was a be- visually beautiful game and the, the gameplay was quite good, you know, the, the, the quest and the story, I just... I lost track really fast because it was just run from quest marker to quest marker. Yeah, that that is definitely one of the weaknesses of modern video games, I think, is that, you know, there's a central quest, but then there's five billion other things that you can and feel like you should do. And that really dilutes the overall experience, the overall story, because one of the things that I've been noticing playing as much as I love Persona 5 uh, the Persona 5 Royal content is really interesting because I'm still working on building up some of my confidants to 10. And nothing, yeah. like, our story hasn't really changed. Like, we went through this big, epic battle together, and then we're still talking about Odd and her problems with becoming a model. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand that you can't change all of the writing, but I really feel like that should have changed something. Um, on we killed god (laughs) forget about modeling so beneath you you have so many other things that you can do but because i hadn't done those quests before we went into the big the big bad with with good old yaldi um Mm -hmm. i wasn't able to hit those markers and now it's like it feels like I'm checking off a list just because I want them to be up at a certain level when we go into the actual final fight of the third semester, which I'm very much looking forward to. I'm almost there. But it does feel very much like I'm running down a checklist, which is unfortunate because, like, the confidants are one of the biggest reasons that I love Persona 5 as much as I do is learning these people's stories. Yeah, the pacing there with expansion packs, that's going to be weird. I kind of wish instead of doing that stuff, they would just work on Persona 6, but that's, <laughs> um, you know, but we had to do PS4 Golden, mm-hmm. or I said PS4, Persona 4 Golden, you know, Persona Q never needed to happen. That was unnecessary. Um, and there's Persona, there's Persona Q2 now. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I've never played them because I think they're DS exclusive, so I, and I don't have a DS yeah. and don't really care. If they port it over to Switch, I might play them. Yeah, they took out the entire confident system and they took out all the school stuff and the relationship stuff. So all of the stuff that makes Persona important? Yeah, that's right. All the parts that I care about, you know, and it was just it's just a dungeon crawler. And then you like draw the map with your stylus. Ugh. And I was I was just like. This said Persona on it, didn't it? <laughs> this said <is> Persona <laughs> like, and not, like, the other game that Persona spun off from, right? Because, like, that's the whole thing about that other game is that it is that. This is supposed to be my life-slash-dating sim that has dungeons in it. <laughs> I, I I didn't understand. But someone probably liked it, I assume. If they, if they had a second one, someone liked it. So... Whatever. <laughs> I mean, there's also like the dancing spinoff games and Striker and all of the other things that are very different from the main persona arena. lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least Arena makes some sense, you know, like, but yeah, I I guess I'm just like, I want to play Persona 6. That's what it really comes down to. <laughs> like, I just want P6. Yeah. I don't like Starfield. I don't want there to be a Starfield. I want Elder Scrolls 6. I don't want there to be you know, uh, Elder Scrolls Online. I want Elder Scrolls 6. 
I don't want there to be Star Wars The Old Republic. I want KOTOR 3. Yeah, I, I, I think that the way that Atlas does it is actually really smart because they have like the main game teams who are working on the core yeah. games and then they have the teams that are working on the spinoff games. So they're not one isn't interfering with the development of the other. That's good. That's good. That makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, and I understand very well that art takes time. You know, I just want to make sure it's being worked on. Yeah. And I mean, there there are whispers of of uh, Persona Five of Persona Six being worked on. At, at this point, it's just Persona Five Six in my brain. Oh, I can't wait! It's such good stuff. Um, you know, one of the things that I think you and I and and Chris and others like about Persona so much is how much it like delves into our own like real life problems, but then we get to have these shadow monsters that we can beat up because that makes kind of dealing with them a little bit easier. Yeah. Wish, wish we could do that in real life with all of our, with all of our other mental problems. That'd make it so much easier. It really would. And one of those big problems is of course, anxiety. Hoo boy. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the case? Also lovely. Segue. So as, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, there we had a, a DM shortage at the school, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, why is that? How come we don't have people, like, lining up to be a GM? And I guess before I dive in further into anxiety, because the answer is anxiety, um, among other things. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, why don't people like to be GMs? Because what it's terrifying. Like, there, okay. th- I, there we go. I mean... When I when I started GMing, I mean, I, and again, my perspective on it is very different than a lot of other people's because I started GMing on a live stream. So that's a whole other level of anxiety and performance. But by that time, I had been playing on live streams for a couple of couple, few years. So I was comfortable being in front of the camera. That wasn't ever the part that really scared me. What scared me was sitting at the head of the table and having everyone's attention turned to me and being like, if I have a complete brain dump... This story does not move forward. Right, yeah, and you can feel some stage fright there. Absolutely. You can, you can kind of paralyze. Have you have you ever been so scared where you ser- seriously could not move? I've never been that scared, but I do have a bad case of stage fright. I have learned how to use it from the age of about 18 onwards, but uh, when I was in uh, you know, some of my theatrical productions when I was younger, I almost threw up out of anxiety mm-hmm. and stage fright. So oh, like, yeah. this has been an ever-present thing for me. I get the shakes when I get really anxious. I get really restless. Um, I have, I have uh, uh, fidget toys that I play with behind the screen when I'm really like having difficulty controlling things. So it's like, it's an omnipresent problem for me. No, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I think it's true for a lot of people. A lot of professional actors have like whole rituals that they go through in preparation to stage time. I think that might be part of why uh, theatrical people are so superstitious, actually, now that you say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it helps them deal. Right. You know, it's like if I can control this silly thing, mm-hmm. then then perhaps, you know, I can I can get on stage in front of people. And like when you're in a GM, you're you're very much on stage, even if you're behind a laptop or a computer or, you know, the GM screen, mm-hmm. you know, I, eyes are on you. Attention is on you. You are the main performer. Yeah. You know, and unless you get just that magical group of players and they're just basically running their own game and you're like, great, awesome. <laughs> right? I'll just throw but, roadblocks in the way now and again to get you pointed in a, in a direction. Oh, uh, guys, uh, uh, here's some orcs. Orcs, they're like, no, we're dealing with uh, uh, the the elf's personal crisis over here. <laughs> we don't have time for that. Oh, okay, all right. Well, the orcs just scratch their heads and they walk away. Just feeling really <laughs> self-conscious about it and just like, no, I'm just gonna... I, I see I'm interrupting something. I'll just I'll just be over here. He just slowly backs away. He's like, oh, it's awkward in here. <laughs> he could cut the tension with his knife I had to cut them with. But Yeah. But yeah, uh, like <laughs> what what it comes down to me, at least, is I know some people really love the, the power of the GM chair. And when it's like when you say something, everyone stops and pays attention to what you're you're doing, or at least in theory. 
that scares me so much where it's like i yeah i have that kind of power that kind of control and my tables are all really good so they all pay attention when i start saying something but that's scary where it's like you know what if i cut off the wrong thread what if what if we're going in the wrong direction and i'm just furthering that and no one is going to tell me that something's wrong before it's too late yeah no i i totally hear that i totally feel that you know for as many times as i've done this i still have those those anxious fears and i think they kind of stem from well they stem from a few places but like every now and then we have had that bad session yeah we have had that situation where we felt like nobody wants to be here everybody's bored people are looking at their phones or at their watches you know and this is just this you know i've lost the energy i don't care anymore oh god is there really an hour and a half left and it's just so painful where it's like you know we're all we're all stuck here effectively like it's less so in a home game but in a stream game if that happens there is the pressure of oh my god, I don't know what to do next, and we're just coming back from break. There's an hour and a half left in this game. Yeah. What What yeah. in the heck am I supposed to do? So I guess one of the things that I'm hoping to, to do when we talk about this issue here on the show is just like address kind of what it is and, and some techniques to help us deal with it, right? And I think that one thing that it's really important to point out is the difference between um, self-consciousness and self-awareness. Hmm. Okay. So we can be very self-conscious in that we're like obsessed with how other people are, are seeing us and viewing us. And like, is my hair straight? Is my, are my glasses on right? Or, you know, my, you know, is my shirt riding up, you know, whatever. Is there something on my face? Uh, is, did I say something weird? Did I say the wrong thing? Oh my gosh. Did I just offend that person? There's 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 self-consciousness in that you're you're always kind of on edge. And, you know, people have described it like walking on ed- on eggshells. Yeah. And that can lead so very easily to uh, an anxiety downward spiral if you can't get uh, control of that. Yeah, 100 percent. It really can. And then you can defeat yourself. Right. Because we talked to ourselves in ways we would never let someone talk to our friends. Seriously. You know, we we can be so incredibly disparaging. Not just disparaging, but cruel. Like Really so, yeah. It, it's it's fascinating to me when I actually step back and listen to the way that I talk to myself, where it's like, no, absolutely like you said, I would never let someone talk to a friend of mine like that. Why do I let myself talk to me like that? I mean, heck, I, 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 I wouldn't even put up with a friend of mine talking to me like that, where I'd be like, what the heck is wrong with you? Why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> Who do you think you are? No, absolutely. And, and that's such an important thing to realize. And a lot of comedy, especially nowadays, is self-deprecating. And it's like, yeah. keep in mind that this person is a comedian. That is their job, right? It's not necessarily always endearing for us to self-deprecate. Right. And this is something that that Andrew has been on me about as a thing I do um, for years. He he's said, hey, man, you you really are way too mean to yourself. Good for and him. Like, I'm like, I'm just joking around. I'm just joking around. It's like, yeah, but sometimes it's it's far. You know, sometimes it's too much. Um, and sometimes you you say things where I get concerned that there's real stuff back there. Good for him. You know, like truly, and, that, that's a good friend to call that kind of thing out. Oh, 100 percent. You know, and I was and every time I'd be like, I'd kind of like fidget a little bit. And I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. And then after like a few minutes of talking, I'd be like, uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're correct about that. And, you know, I if you if when I would make the conscious effort to not do those things, you know, it was funny how often I would catch myself stopping. Mm hmm. And then just going, I have to accept that there's this idea of like a vibe, right? And like, you don't want to kill the vibe. And it can be really like tempting to add sarcasm or negativity in order to create like a mutual dislike of something or of someone uh, or of just 
sometimes it can even be like false modesty. Yeah, to, to, to kind of diffuse, because like I will say to you, Adam, you are a very good GM. And your first impulse is to kind of wave it off a little bit with, with self-deprecating humor. I've heard you do it multiple times. But it's part of why I underline. You are correct. It's part of why I underline as often as I do that. Yeah, you're a very good GM. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But yeah, and exactly, it's hard to just stop and go. Thank you very much. I trust your opinion of that, and I do it all the time too. Like I'm totally calling myself out on this too. Yeah, and I mean, I've had people that don't like me tell me I'm a good GM, and that's <laughs> that's something. <laughs> you know, I think that's the almost the highest compliment you can get. I don't much care for you, but man, you're a, you're a good whatever. You, you spin one heck of a story. Don't don't like you much as a person, <laughs> but boy, are your stories great. If this is at the activity, I'm here. You want to do anything else? Call somebody <laughs> else. Um, fair enough. Uh, but no, we it, then there's the like I said before. The, there's also the self aware, right? Self awareness a- aspect. And this, I would say, these are like positive. This is a positive skill you want to develop, right? You want to be able to read people. You want to be able to read the vibe. You want to be able to read the room, right? Not imaginary making stuff up that isn't there, but really observing and listening and paying attention. Yeah. And And I think that's a big difference between self-awareness and self-consciousness is that one of them is often untrue. Yeah, and you're you're spinning stories in your head about why people don't like you. Yeah, absolutely. And they're based on things that that you're telling yourself. And some of the and some of those right. things that you're telling yourself may even have a kernel of truth in them and that's why they're so destructive is because they're able to mostly slip under the BS detector because they're kind of true. But also you're being much more harsh on yourself with those than you would ever be with anyone else. You ever notice like sometimes people will like you just say something normal, right? And then they just blow up. Oh, my gosh. You know, and then you're just like, where did that come from? It's like, well, that's been there. (laughs) That's been that's been bubbling up for a while. Yeah. And it probably has almost nothing to do with you. Yeah, I've I've actually had that happen in, in a gaming group before, and it actually broke the group apart. Where uh, me and another person got into something, and I was like, where did this come from? I have never heard any of this problem before this second when you're exploding at me about it. I had an issue with my gamers just yesterday, my uh, my League of Legends team, where they, they started fighting about stuff. And I was like, hey, guys, we're all on the same team here, and we have a goal, and this is our goal, and... What we're doing right now, that is a that is undercutting our ability mm-hmm. to achieve that goal. And I was proud of them because they did uh, apologize to one another. Well, good for them. You know, I, I was just like, guys, this doesn't need to happen. Good on them for taking the, the lesson out of it, though, because it, it can be hard even because these are kids, right? Yeah. I mean, well, they're teenagers, but yeah, I mean, they're, you know, between... 15 to 17. Yeah. I'm in my mid-30s, and I still have a hard time sometimes stepping back and apologizing and realizing, okay, no, this is toxic. Let's figure this out. So Sometimes it can even be worse as an adult, I think, because we get very stuck. Yeah. Right? It's it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, as they say. So to speak, yeah. So we can be very my way or the highway, especially when it comes to people who are younger than us. Right. Oh, yeah. And speaking as a father who has done this like way too many times, (laughs) (laughs) you know, this has been a hard lesson for me to learn. Yeah, there's definitely a a sense of and I I feel it from other people, too. Like I I will be talking to my mom about stuff and she's like, well, you're in your 30s. What do you know about it? I'm like, because I've read about this because I know this stuff. And so when I catch myself doing that to younger people where I'm like, well, what do you know about it? Like, okay, no. Their experience is different than mine, and I'm not going to be that person. Dang it. <laughs> oh, there it is. I said the thing. Uh-oh. Dang it. I'm turning it into my mom. <laughs> but that's also a good example of of self-awareness, where you're like, oh, no, I'm becoming my mom. I'm becoming my father, whatever. You know, it's like th- that realization, you know, like I just said the same thing. Like, I, you know, the first time I told my kids because I said so. <laughs> You know, of course, nobody likes that phrase when they're growing up. 
right? And I, and I understand now that what the adult means is I'm trying to think about something else right now. Just take my word that I might know what I'm doing and do it. But it's like I have to like push back on on myself because I have to be like, do I want my children be, to be curious? Like, of course I do. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So every time that they ask a question, if I t- shut them down, I'm not teaching them that. And uh, but I get it too because I'm a I'm a tired parent. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to that because I mean, and and that is where some self awareness comes in, where where we have to catch ourselves and be like, yes, I'm tired, but this is a thing that they're going to remember. So let's work through it and figure it out and see what we can do, which is, from what I understand, very, very difficult. Yeah. And I, you know, they don't, uh, you don't have to get a license to be a parent. (laughs) You have to to do so much more to learn to drive than to be in charge of the life of a human being or several. Isn't that scary? Isn't that scary? This is kind of strange. But try passing a law where you limit that, you know, that, that sounds scary too. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, yeah, we could go into a whole thing about that because my, my instinct is, man, I wish we could. And I was like, nope, I don't want anyone nope. in charge of that. That's terrible. <laughs> right. It's a good idea until you realize that there's a human being in charge. Yeah. And even honestly, even if an algorithm did it, the algorithm is designed by people. So no, thank you. Yeah. Until until the algorithms are literally smarter than us. but even then but anyway anywho's um (laughs) so i think as a as a gm let's let's look for these sort of things okay so uh rumination it's uh we we rehearse potential social interactions or replay conversations and we we create these scenarios in our mind where where we are behind the screen and we're saying, you know, we're doing our game and then suddenly we have block or you didn't get somebody's, um, you know, story right, you know, and mm-hmm. then and then you imagine them being bored or rebelling or whatever. And but we have to remember that that is literally a story that you created in your mind. That situation yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, 100 percent. And you were not a fortune teller. So this is not you foreseeing the future. It's very much you borrowing trouble. That's right. And honestly, it's probably a scene you saw in a movie. And now you're <laughs> doing it. Right? Something sure. like that. Uh, self-criticism is another big one. We, we already talked about that quite a lot. You know, just there's a difference between, yes, I need to improve at this. And, and here's how or here's where my weakness is. And I am weak. I am useless. Mm-hmm. Those are two very different answers. Yeah, because one allows you to grow and change, and the other is just this black hole that you could fall into. Speaking of black holes you can fall into, you can also compare yourself to people. <laughs> oh, God. Comparison is the thief of joy. I hold that, that is what to they be say. very, very true. That is very true. And again, you know, there is a positive aspect of this where I aspire to be a certain way, you know, or I want to borrow something that they did, right? I want to learn versus I can't because I'm not them. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are two, again, very different things. If a student is learning from me as a GM, I don't want them to become me, right? I might want to play with them sometime. <laughs> I, I want a different experience. You yeah, know. and if and, and if they become you, then I mean, you might as well just play in a mirror, <laughs> which uh, not fun. <laughs> That's kind of lonely. Yeah. Let's see. Um, having difficulty accepting feedback again, like when you pointed it out earlier, you said you're a good GM, and then I was I played it off right because I mm-hmm. felt awkward about the compliment because I was like, if I take a compliment then I'm going to get an ego and then I will be a worse GM as a result. Right. As opposed to going, sometimes taking the compliment feels nice and that's good. And maybe, maybe that was warranted. And maybe, maybe you should just let your friend feel good about being friendly. 
Yeah. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> but also, of course, the negative feedback, you know, of, mm-hmm. hey, I'm not sure this is working. I'm not sure that you should have put that there or you should have used a different color or here's a better setting that would have been better for your presentation. When when you get people that really um, don't like to listen to that, that kind of feedback, uh, again, this can be part of that self-consciousness. Like you are aware of like your own weaknesses to an extent, but then you're also adding on a bunch of stuff. So any criticism becomes like a chip in the wall that you've built. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 that's not there. That isn't there. So you would rather live in the false reality and have other people agree in, in your self-imposed gaslight right? than to than to face the truth. And of course, it's that truth that's going to help you grow. Well, and I think that there's also an aspect of the, the criticism where it's like, you know, if especially if it echoes anything that's in your own head that you've been thinking about, then it's easy to assume that they're having all of the same negative mental talk about you that you have about yourself. And so, you know, even if someone is giving you the criticism about, you know, that color doesn't work there, you should try this for your presentation, they're helping you to try and help you do better because they want you to succeed. But, you know, because you're so stuck in your own uh, criticism anxiety loop, it's really easy to have that turn into... Yep, everyone hates me. I am screwing up so badly that uh, they're finally starting to say something. It's all going to come crumbling down. Yeah, what they say is use a slightly different color. What you heard is you suck and you're terrible and you have no talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll never make it in this game. And it's 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 hard. It's hard to break out of that. It is really hard to break out of that. Um, you know, and I think that this is where like kind of leaning on your friends a little bit is just so good because like if people are here for you, like if they're showing up for your game, like, first of all, that should tell you something you are being, you are being given that chance right now. Yeah. And, and then uh, if people are excited about it, if they're like trading comments in the discord about, you know, Oh, you know, what about X, Y, and Z? And they're starting to like theorize and red string about things, man, that's, People keep showing up. They like your stuff. And then they're they're engaged in it. And even if they're less engaged because they're not as uh, evocative or uh, eh, not as expressive about it, you know, they're still showing up and they're still playing the game. They're still here to tell the story with you. That's that's a lot. That is a lot. And, and you need to like also keep in mind they didn't show up going, man, I really hope that it fails. I really yeah. hope it doesn't go well. Because that would be such you know, a silly thing to say. Right? No, they're here to have a good time. They want you to win. They're rooting for you. Yeah. Like, no one's going to no one's gonna spend their time on something that they don't care about. But also, if someone is literally there <laughs> rooting against you, do not play with them. <laughs> yeah. Take them out of your game. You have that agency. That's a, that's a different issue. Right? Very much so. <laughs> like, if every time you play with somebody, your, your anxieties begin to be to come true and it happens on a regular basis, you can, you you might be like, maybe this is a bad fit. You have permission to quit the thing if you need to, because yes. no D and D is better than bad D and D. So true. So incredibly true. And that needs to be a shirt if it isn't already. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would be shocked if it wasn't already. Cause I've heard it. <laughs> like I didn't come up with that phrase. I've heard right, it from right, multiple yeah. people. Yeah. Um, one thing that they can lead that that sensitivity can stem from is uh, a, a sense of low self-worth, just not being confident in ourselves or not feeling like we're worth much, like you don't have something to offer. You know, like I know we're getting kind of deep here. It's like, I thought this was a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, <laughs> like GMing is like 100%, you know, performance art. It's also art art depending on how you're doing your maps right or yeah whatever it's acting it's so many things so incredibly performative right yeah you know you i guess what i want to say to potential gms out there is that you do have value 
Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know who you are, but you are a person with a life who did things and you had experiences and they're, they're different from that person that you might be comparing yourself with. But if you are playing this game, if you are trying to engage in this activity or something else, you must at least have some degree of hope somewhere. There is a belief that you can, because otherwise you wouldn't try. So hang on to that. And if you can't get the rest of the way on your own, then lean on your friends. Mm-hmm. And there's a tremendous amount of courage that it takes to actually take that step, to actually speak up and say, hey, guys, what would you think about, a, about me running a game? And if you've taken that step or you've even thought in that direction, I commend you. That is a scary, scary step to take. And you've done that. And then, you know, if you're currently running a game, that's because your friend said, hey, we'd love to play at your table. So start there. And keep in mind that everyone else in your group has GM anxiety and they don't want to be the GM. So the moment you said that. <laughs> they all let out this big sigh of relief where it was like, oh, good. You fell on that sword. Thank you. Because everyone. Here's the secret cap. Everyone's scared. For the most part, there are the forever GMs who can't imagine being anywhere but behind the the screen. But even, I mean, you can speak to this better than I can, Adam, because you're more <laughs> the forever GM than I am. You mm-hmm. still get that, that fear and anxiety. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did a lot of theater in high school as well. And before every performance, I would have anxiety. The only thing that would ever cure it was literally the moment I got out there. Mm-hmm. And then... I would hear some kind of audience reaction to something I did. Like if I told a joke, they laugh, you know, or if they, if I said something poignant, you could hear a hush wash over the audience, right? Yeah. If I was being emotional and I felt like I could sense that their eyes were on me, that would be the thing that would cure it. But that's just me, right? Some, you know, uh, James Earl Jones, a famous actor, especially known as Mufasa and Darth Vader, right? You know, he, he actually, uh, was born and, and grew up with a lisp. Hmm. And uh, he combated it. And what he would do before every performance, because of course he loved acting, is he would actually work out. Like he would like bench press and stuff. Oh, wow. And then, of course, he would do all sorts of vocal exercises to work. And, you know, of course, you're you're doing memorized lines, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, no, it wasn't. a. Did I say a lisp? It wasn't a lisp. It was a stutter. Ah, yeah. yeah it yeah. was a stutter that he had. So very much like the King's speech. Right. Um, which uh, you should also watch that movie. I have seen that movie um, and it actually spoke to me very much. I, I have a stutter. And if you're paying attention, it's not as prevalent anymore. But there are times when I have difficulty starting a sentence or getting into a stream of consciousness because I stutter over the opening sound of words and it's incredibly frustrating. <laughs> um, so watching the King's speech was very validating for, for that. And I had had that pointed out early on too in To Kill a Mockingbird where um, the person who played uh, Atticus pointed out that when I have memorized lines, I don't stutter. Which yeah, help? and memorization is is huge uh, to help with that kind of thing. And not to mention, it's just a wonderful skill for you to develop anyway. You know, I've been so surprised on how many of my students don't know their phone numbers. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and, and with uh, smartphones, who who the heck memorizes phone numbers anymore? Yeah. Um, but I grew up having to memorize numbers or having like um, the little book next to the phone, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, if I wanted to call my friends, I'd have to flip through the book. But I had like my two friends where I just knew their number. Yeah. Right. And then I would just say it uh, before I let my daughter go out and, and play by herself or, you know, with a friend like, hey, I'm going to go meet a friend at, a, at the park. I was like, OK, that's a normal thing for a kid to want to do. Right. I shouldn't tell them they can't. And my kids like, you know, eight. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to bite the bullet here and let her be a human. 
So let her go out and people. Let her go out and people. And so uh, I just made her memorize my phone number. And it, it didn't take her long, and she did it. Uh, I forced my students to, uh, at least my government students, to memorize the preamble to the Constitution. Mm. It's not long. If it was the Declaration preamble, they'd be asking for something. Sure. Most of the time, if your teacher asks for that, they're they're only asking for like the first little bit. Yeah, well, and, and most of my memorization skills came from uh, Awanas, so I learned to memorize a lot of Bible verses. Oh, yeah, there is that. Yeah, I had to do some of that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I did theater. And then doing theater, yep. it's like, well, you had to memorize a ton of lines. And if you're the lead in a show. Oh, man. You have to pretty much memorize the script because not only do you need to know your lines, but you need to know your cues. So you pretty much know the whole script. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's super valuable for any actor anyway. Sidebarring a little bit. You never know what's going to happen. There could be something where like someone jumps three pages and you have to be paying attention. And that means knowing other people's lines and scenes and cues. So this is where like GM preparation is extremely helpful, right? It's not just about like, oh, do I have enough stuff to do? But it's just feeling like you are prepared. Yeah. Right. It, it's just that feeling of, OK, I, I put my 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 minutes in. So now I feel I feel good. I feel I feel confident. Right. And sometimes that's all it takes. And so when you're like a super experienced GM, you can get away with a lot. But even still, like, I don't feel good unless I've put in like at least an hour of prep time beforehand. Yeah. And, and confidence is a very I mean, it is one of these skills, really, where it's like. Here's here's the big secret. There's no wrong way to tell the story. If you're having fun and your players are having fun and you haven't done a combat in six sessions, if that's what your players want, I know Adam's not into that. <laughs> <laughs> that better be some wonderful dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight is an example of a published module that you can do with absolutely no combat, for example. Yeah. So, like, if, if that's what your players are into and that's what they want, then you're not doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. There is no wrong way to tell a story. So, you know, and building confidence is a big part of that. And it's hard. It's hard. And it, it takes doing it, right? You have to make bad drawings before you can make good drawings, right? You have to play bad yeah. music before you can play good music, right? But And underneath all of, you know, underneath everything... There is there is a real talented person there and there's just crap on top and every <laughs> and every time you practice, you're just removing it and you're getting deeper and deeper into that thing. And it, it is there. You know, I say this to my art students all the time. Just trust the process. Just trust the process. Be patient. You know, yeah, you're 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 shipping away the pieces of marble that are not an elephant. <laughs> it's like. Yes, this drawing isn't great, not going to lie, but is it better than the one, last one you made? And is that one better than the last one you made? <laughs> right. Because if it is, then we're getting somewhere, right? That's, what, that's why it's school. <laughs> like, you know, these um, you know, young people, especially, they have access to so much and they can see so much. It's hard to not self-compare, right? And it's like, well, the, I, oh, man, I went on art station and I saw this guy and it was so beautiful and realistic. It's like... Yeah, that dude's also like 38. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I and I run into that self comparison uh, as a GM because like I'll watch like Dimension Twenty because Brennan Lee Mulligan is the GM I want to grow up to be. He's not that much older than me, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. he's also been playing and GMing for I want to say like twenty years, twenty to thirty years longer than I have. So like he started pretty young. Well, he's also like a comedian and an improver. Yeah. And like there's a lot of soft skills that go into this hobby. He right? he has he has a different set of skills than than I do. He's faster on the the wit and the uptake on things. Like some of his best monologues have been entirely improvised on the spot where people just go, "Was that scripted?" 
He's like, nope, that's just how my brain works. <laughs> no, I'm just insane. Trust me, it's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> so some, some days I would love to get into the inner workings of his brain and just see how that all works. But I can't compare myself to him exactly. as a GM because our while we have some similarities of experiences, like we were both homeschooled, for example, mm-hmm. um, our experiences, even of homeschooling, are very different um our our upbringing was very different our experiences are different he's much more on the comedic uh improv side i always hung out more on the scripted like shakespeare side and neither of these are better or worse we're just different as gms and i can watch him and say oh that's a cool trick i think i'll use that but if i am looking at him and having like the mercer effect then yes. I am I am undercutting myself before I even start. So and of course Mercer's the first one to tell you that the Mercer effect is a bad thing and he and you should never try to be him. Absolutely. He's like, be you. I want to play at your table. I don't want I don't want to go play at, at a copy of my table. That's not fun. <laughs> Although I do wonder like if I did would I like that game? <laughs> you know, would I even would I even enjoy myself? Uh, because, you know, you, you meet someone who's like you and you're kind of like, I don't know, at least for me, I, I, I tend not to get along with people that are like me. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. I'm sure the whole, there's a whole psychology thing you could dig into with that. Oh, yeah. that And that's way above my pay grade. Even this topic <laughs> is pretty much above my pay grade. But I will say that uh, I do struggle with anxiety. Uh, I do understand stage fright. I do understand not feeling good enough. As an artist, I do understand how it feels to to be really anxious and to not know how things are going to go and to create scenarios in my mind that aren't real. And I hope that you'll listen to some of these things that we've talked about to to help you work on that, because it's not an on and off switch. It's a thing you it's a skill that you build. Right. And then there's some anxiety where you just do have to get medical professionals involved. But what right. we're talking about here is how do I have more confidence to be a GM, essentially, or even to be a player? Because there's plenty of player uh, self-consciousness that exists as well. There's plenty of anxiety there. People that don't want to speak or try a voice or even or try to decision. learn the rules because they're afraid of looking stupid. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot of these things that that can exist and. One thing I'll also say is even if you're not someone who who experiences these things or feels like they have a good handle on it, don't forget to like really build up your friends, build up the people that you're working with so that they can have that confidence so that they can believe in themselves, because if they are confident enough to try, then they can improve. So that's really all it takes. Yeah. And, you know, no one can read each other's minds. Which is, I think, for the best it, m- much of the time. Um, but there are times where, like, you may think, "Oh, yeah, I'm showing them that that they are doing a great job." It never hurts to come out and say directly, "I really liked when you, you know, took the lead on that conversation with that cobalt over there. That was really cool. I thought you did a great job with that." It, you you have, probably have no idea how far that's going to go for that person, right? Even if they're like me yeah. and they're like, "Oh, it wasn't that big a deal." Like deep down, <laughs> they're still going to be like, you know, I like that they said that. I'm going to yeah. do that again. I'm going to try that again. All right. You just want to feel good. People just, they showed up to a game so they can feel good, you know, help them do that. So anyway, I think that's, that's enough out of me on that. Uh, <laughs> any last thoughts? Um, Anxiety lies. Mm. That's the thing that I have to constantly tell myself because I also struggle with anxiety. And the thing that I have to keep telling myself is anxiety lies. People like me for who I am, even when I think I'm really obnoxious. And it's okay to lean on your friends. Like Adam has been saying throughout, it is anxiety is not something that you can necessarily beat by yourself. And yeah, you have a lot, you, you can do a lot of the work yourself in your own way, but no man is an island. So, you know, we build these, we build these teams, we build these uh, adventuring parties to tell good stories together, but we're also creating these amazing adventures and friendships in real life. Even if it's not going out and swinging a sword, we're still dealing with problems and we can't go and beat them up like you do uh, shadows in a persona game. 
but those real life victories are every bit as valuable. Agreed. Maybe even more valuable. <laughs> well, they're 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 less tangible, so it's a little harder sometimes. <laughs> but it's it's harder when it's not like a trophy on the screen. But but everyone should play Persona to help them deal with their crap. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Again, sponsored, not uh, or not sponsored, could be sponsored. Would happily be sponsored. We we could just turn this into a persona <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's better than hearing about HelloFresh for the 900th time, right? <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure it's a great service. Don't care. Or Skillshare <laughs> or NordVPN <laughs> or... <laughs> Nord- <laughs> Gosh, yeah. I mean, some of the old ones that... Uh, stamps.com. I don't hear that one as much anymore. But. Yeah, same. And, it's, and some of them have, have come out as just flat out scams, which are just funny. All right. Next episode, join us for all of the different sponsors <laughs> and what happened to them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't you take us home, Tiana? It's time to go. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of Inspiration Point, where we uh, dove perhaps a little bit deeper into the more real life aspect of this. We we hope that um, we hope that you got something out of this because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all struggling in one way or another, and it's okay. So until next time, stay inspired. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiration Point. If you'd like to support what we do, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash inspiration point. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. You can also help support us by telling people about the podcast. A little inspiration goes a long way. Inspiration Point is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube or Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons on a weekly basis and have a bunch of campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, and board game playthroughs archived on their YouTube. Join us next week for more inspiration. Mm-hmm.